digging in the tapes. Shoulda, coulda, woulda. The forgotten. Unsolved mysteries. Yeah, these are all fucking ideas for title names for this documentary I've been working on for probably 20 plus years. Anyway, it's, it's a lot of hip-hop tapes uh, back in, let's say, 2000. Around that time, 1999, around that time, a gentleman named Shane Nesbitt had an underground hip-hop record store. First of its kind. Below the surface. where I first met Optimus. JKC. Malico. Care. Randy. Z-Man. Lip Service. Argonaut. Boak. The Cuff. Nate the Great. Elon. Pete. Laz. Hey, y'all know Shane Nesbitt the Barber? Well, you know Kill a Kegs. I mean, Murs. Living Legends. Shane would throw these shows... And he'd bring living legends out. Eli. We got Satch. Dude. Epic. The scene was hype. I filmed it all. I don't know what the fuck I'm going to do with the footage, but maybe Shane knows. But that's what this is going to be about. I'm going to interview a bunch of these old dudes and old dude to old dude, you know? Just talking shit. Well, anyway, enjoy Shane Nesbitt in real life, in his living room, in audio. Fucking Dolby, bro. Enjoy. James from Two Grooves in Hawaii are all up in here right now. I gotta give everybody much love for coming all the way out here to support this show. That's a big, big deal. You know what Tapes, CDs. I had the keys to the record store in... Uh, probably yeah, early '98, and I opened it June 13th of '98. Why'd you open it up? Like, what? What did you like? You were into it, but did you see like, like uh, underground hip hop being popular, or like the technology where you're able to like record at home? Like, what? What was the reason behind opening a record shop besides you were just into it? Truthfully, it was like a, that was what I was most passionate about. Like, I used to like it was that. You know, hip hop records, skateboarding, and cars. And I wasn't—I mean, I—I was I had fun working on cars, and I was getting hurt skating. <laughs> um, but records, like hip hop records, were what I was most passionate about. And you know, I had a great job and was making a fair amount of money for being a—you know—in what? How old was I then? Eighteen, nineteen years old, and um, and I was getting in a lot of trouble with you know with the law with you know miscellaneous banter um but I, I did have a great job at stanford and then i had my own apartment and you know i had a couple cars but i wasn't happy uh and i wanted to do something i was passionate about and i knew that i had the the, the work ethic and that's you know that's really all you need i i think i still to this day think that work ethic supersedes anything else um but my work ethic was based off of my, the passion that I had for records. And um, I opened in San Mateo, well, Burlingame even. I tried to open in San Mateo because this is kind of where I spent most of my teenage years, my, my youth, and I kind of refused to give up breathing life into this place. I was like, well, if I grew up loving graffiti and, you know, loving hip-hop music, culture, yeah. culture, then I can teach other people about it. And 
I just didn't give up and I f- basically forced good rap onto people here. Yeah, and you did. And either if you forced it or they picked up on it or they took it or it's like like a fucking wildfire. When I say below the, you guys say surface. I've always wanted to be a rapper. <laughs> below the Touch on the uh, the Rob One show, or leading up to like you throwing shows, like for some like okay, so all these tapes is basically all these DV tapes with me running around following you with a camera at the shows, right? And to me, that was just like, oh, I'm filming, I'm able to come in here and film all these hip hoppers, and the beats are dope, and I'm filming these guys on this. This was my like. You know, I was like, oh, I'm just going to f- start a documentary. I didn't even know what a documentary was, but I was just filming. So I have all these tapes, but the Rob One show, uh, what do you remember and why, Why? you know, did you start throwing shows? Well, I threw a lot of shows before that. Um, I threw a lot of shows before the benefit for Rob. Uh, I, th- I had thrown a lot of shows, and it, it was mainly just to kind of – I did it genuinely for 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 the love of the music and and for the dudes that you know like I'm pushing you know I'm pushing like anti-con stuff I'm pushing living legend stuff I'm pushing uh you know rhyme sayer stuff uh, you know all the guy I, I was pushing all this different music and no one was doing no one was doing a lot of shows back then you know you'd see organized confusion you'd see the alcoholics you'd see um, the far side and whatnot, but no one was like really doing too much for West Coast independent, like com- you know, real deep underground stuff. So I was like, damn, I can do this, you know. And but I was fortunate that I had the respect from guys like D Styles and the dudes from Third Sight, and and I got a lot of help from Kevy Kev at KZSU that they supported what I was trying to do, and like you know, D Styles would DJ parties for for like a below the surface event on uh at this place called sacrifice on south van ness that's kind of where everything kicked off i was doing events there i think i was doing something there every month and it was like that was the spot you know i don't think we i think at most it was like five bucks to get in and i remember one night i threw a show and it was like it was d styles djing third sight jihad was rapping insomniac uh i mean there was a bunch of people and you know, throwing the shows was just like, just kind of like the exclamation point on the end of a sentence that I'd been trying to write for several years, you know, yes. and, uh, and it happened and dude, and then people started coming to that little record store. And then when the internet happened, when the internet happened, when the internet happened and that, that's when stuff really started to go crazy. So people were buying records, mail order from Finland, Sweden, Switzerland, Germany, and I was just a kid learning about all this stuff, you know? And, um, I was just really grateful for the fact that people were picking up on what I was doing. And, uh, then, you know, international orders led to international travel and international travel led to me pressing records and pressing records led me to travel more. And it was just a crazy time. And, you know, I was just an ambitious kid that, um, you know, rather than, I don't, I think anyone could do what I did. I think it's just more the fact I didn't, I was, I'm a survivalist and I've always been, you know, and that's what caused me to do that. You know, I wanted to survive, but I wanted to survive having fun. 
you like you were leading like it was like the hip hop tribe like people came like rappers like you'd be around all these artists these rappers these producers like you were kind of like the 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 catalyst for all this creativity i mean they like you like, said like seeing like guys that i listened to back in the day that you know like i had to trade tapes you know like the you know like the guys from Arizona supermarket and you know you know becoming friends with with Sean Slug and you know I was listening to Beyond who eventually became Musab from 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 Rhyme Sayers and it was just a trip to 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 be there for that and all the project blowed guys became my friends and uh distributing their music cuz I'd been listening to their stuff since I was in high school and when I was in high school, no one knew what the fuck, who the fuck Freestyle Fellowship was. No one knew who Saphir was. No one knew who Hobo Junction was. No one know, knew who AC Alone was. And so I was just like, I was just fortunate enough to have an ear for music that no one else was really paying mind to. But I knew that it had the, it had the foundation to go much further than it was, was going. Yeah. I mean, it's it, you don't have to know where it's going. It's just what like you have to be a, like I'm, I was drawn to the mute, the sound coming out of your car, your shop, the smell, the fu- you know what I mean? Like I never experienced that before, and it was just like I don't I just ended up there all the time. Probably like all the artists and the creatives are in the bay. Yeah, the uh, the, the, the 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 record store was a trip because that that it did have a like the vinyl like all the records in that tiny space it did have a it did have a smell of a record store like it's it was pretty cool and and uh a lot of people don't know this but when i opened the record store i didn't have a place to live i literally sacrificed everything to open that shop and that's what i tell that's what i tell d now i'm like if if we ever have money to play with i want to open another record store because i want to be able to like kick back and do what i was doing when i was 19 and that's listening to rap records all day and telling people like this is the one you got to get yeah. this is the record you got to get yeah and when records came out every tuesday i'd have the same fools coming through like buying records every tuesday you know or like a new a new cd come like you know if aesop from legends dropped something new or if if and uh they were. And yeah they were they were producing yeah and they were putting out a lot of music. You were the spot, like you go through, and I mean, people would be like, "Oh, I need all of it. I need, I need a lot one of times, of each. yeah, yeah." And it was, I sold all anal, you know. I've always been into the analog sound, you know, tapes. And you think that's coming back? Oh, for sure. I mean, this past month, me going through these tapes, finding the firewire and the right camera that up this video. But like, you have to have the player, or you can't fuck with anything back then. Like, our connecting dongles ain't gonna play a tape. No, no, I and I still listen to tapes all the you time. Got ta- yeah, you got the tape. Mm-hmm. You know, I had to sell my record collection to to finance my back surgery, but I still have like a fair amount of records that I had to keep. But I I will never forget like all the shit that I did have. Obviously, it's coming back. You you showed me your MPC, your original MPC you found or someone. <laughs> Mike, yeah, uh, Barrett. God bless your soul, dude. He came into the barber shop. Out, I haven't seen dude in like fifteen years or more. And he's like, Shane, you still make beats? And I was like, dude, no, I wish, you know? Yeah, that's the question, huh? Ever- hey, what's up? You still make beats? How many times you hear that? Well, that's what's crazy. It was, like, super coveted, and, like, no one even knew I did that. And then, again, like, when I met when I met D, she was telling me, like, dude, you need to, like, you need to, like, start doing this again. 
and like that had never been told to me previously like you need to be making beats again you need to be writing graffiti again and so recently i've been kind of like dabbling in like putting some of that stuff out to see what people say you know they're just like shane's a barber that's it you know but now i got you know i got a turntable and then barrett came in he he initially he was like i'll sell you and i got an mpc at the house i got the one you sold me you know and and i was like what and then he came back and dropped it off and said, Shane, just make beats with it. Yeah, and send me a cut. Yeah, that's yeah. the bet. And so now I have all the equipment. I just got to get some monitors, and and then I'm going to be, I'm gonna be uh, yeah, I'll be making beats again. I mean, to me, the barber's new, but I guess depending when you met you, depending, that's what you know. Before the bald fades and scissor cuts, way before the shampoos and cold beverages, way before the pompadours and the looky-loos of the barber game there was below the surface yeah i mean i, I you know it's been, dude it's been almost 17 18 years i've been cutting hair already yeah well your business you gotta make money you gotta provide so maybe it's like you're plateauing like you need that creative I mean, you got some creative movements on your, your fucking hand styles, you know? <laughs> I'm working on it, you know? Fades got multiple levels to them. <laughs> yeah. No, because I, no, I just talked to Z-Man, so, like, we were talking about... It's like I'll bring up some of the, the, the that era to... Because uh, I'm still... I still follow everybody from that, like, the Dysflexics crew. So I'll be sending them little imp. They're, like, like mind blown. Like, what? Like, they probably don't even remember. I don't even remember, but... That's the funny shit. Like, that shit was funny. Next up, we have the motherfucking Dyslexics. These guys drove all the way down from Santa Rosa. We got people here from Minnesota. We got cancer in here tonight, too, dude. But uh, I'd like to tell you also, Dyslexics got a new album out. You can get it through me, or you can get it in a few other stores soon, because we're distributing it. They got shrunk, you guys. They got shrunk rap. No more CDRs. These guys got the real shit. Silver bottom CDs. No blue shit. No aqua face when you look at the bottom. So give it up for Dysflexics. Me and Argonaut, Jason, if you're listening to this, dude, Argonaut is probably the only dude that's ever stumped me or, or was potentially stumping me on hip-hop trivia. Like... I remember we we caravan. It was I think I was driving one van. I think Elon was probably driving the other van. I had gotten them a show at Reed College in Oregon, and we had walkie talkies. And the whole way up there, me and Argonaut were going back and forth with hip hop trivia. Oh. And that motherfucker, dude, he's he that dude is an encyclopedia of rap. But you know, me and Jason became really close. Like all those dudes, like those were my close friends through selling rap records. I had to like nag Jason, like, hey, dude, I want to sell your shit. And he'd be like, oh, yeah, for sure. But he was so fucking lazy, he didn't get me shit forever. Ah. And then when he started getting me uh -huh. stuff, it started floating. And then they were tripping, like, damn, dude, this guy's selling a lot of our music. But then we became really close friends. And that was the coolest part about the record shop. Like, when it gets mentioned now, it's like people that genuinely like have a, a special place in their heart oh, for yeah. it. You know, like when before internet, before social media, before hashtags, before all that bullshit. Dyslexics were at every single show. That's I got so much footage of the, and then I and then I heard Laz rap, and I was like, wait, what's going on here? Who? And then I seen arachnophobics and just hella confused, like what the what's going on here? Yeah, like everyone was like looking. It seemed like everyone was trying to like create new styles and like 
be different than those dudes had whatever you were hearing out there on the radio or something this shit was amazing like you know like the dudes from Board Stiff Board Stiff was like my favorite group growing up uh explaining I remember I bought the explaining tape at a at a store that's now defunct obviously called Behind the Post Office and um Board Stiff like I had a lot of Board Stiff tracks that were previously unreleased that I had just got through trading tapes and then later on I I later on I reached out to them and then I got a hold of Equipto and then I got a hold of Sean and then I got you know, I got a hold of you know of TD Camp and all those dudes and then I started selling their stuff and again we became friends and then I eventually put out the all the unreleased board stiff shit on sublevel I put it out like a 90 minute is either 90 or 120 minute tape of all board stiff unreleased stuff so like that's just that was like one of the most monumental things to me and that tape to me still is, is one of the greatest tapes ever and I was like I thought it was the coolest thing because my handwriting was on it. You know what I mean? So, you know, those guys are still, like, I still listen to Timeless and Explaining all the time. Those records are timeless, you know? What gener... I mean, so so I was trying to think about it. Was there, like, a generation of, like, groups and rappers or, like, like in this underground rap scene in the Bay Area, like, the hip-hop, like, that you've noticed? Like, like you said, like, Hyro or, you know, Farside, and then was there, like, another wave or is it kind of all just meshed together no it's kind of it kind of unfortunate because like i felt like those dudes like all the hieroglyphics dudes like they deserved more than what they got you know what i mean like fear itself you could listen to fear itself right now and like that record is fucking bananas front to back even extra prolific like that his record was you know brown sugar and that the, the stuff on that record were crazy and and uh, you know, of course, all the early Souls of Mischief stuff. Cab Fair. When when I first heard Cab Fair, I was like, God damn! And like, you know, that's one of the greatest hip hop songs ever. And you know, I felt like those guys didn't get what they should have gotten. And then, of course, all the guys from Hobo Junction, Saphir, and Poke, and like I- IQ. You know, and um, I just felt like the Bay Area didn't get what it deserved as far as, far as like good rap groups and getting proper distribution. The Bums, like the bums album was like one of is still to this day one of the greatest rap records of all time and no one knows about that shit it's yeah. like it's like the most incredible record ever the production joe quicks i think made all those beats joe quicks if you're listening to this you're the homie dude you always will be you're not forgotten you're not forgotten I feel like, I like if the forgotten would be a good title to a documentary but i, th- I think that hbo has the forgotten but working title you know like like i feel like everyone worked so hard and because of you, you had a role to play of promoting them, distributing them, and, like, motivation, too, is, like, a big deal. Like, these days, I feel like you could come out with some shit and then get a couple hits, and it could, like, you're motivated, it motivates your team. I feel like, you know, what was the what was their, like, reward for fucking, besides the actual album and the music and the love? And that was the coolest thing about that, about that time is that these dudes – like, like they were just so grateful to have me distribute their records. You know what I mean? I mean, they would sell me their tapes for five bucks and I'd resell them for seven. You know what I'm saying? And it wasn't about money for me. I was a kid. Like, I was just stoked to be selling dope rap tapes to people that appreciated dope rap tapes. So, you know, it, it was just that I was fortunate enough to, 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 
give these guys the gratification. Like I kind of felt like I gave them the gratification that they gave me. Like I listen to their tapes and get super excited. Like, damn, there's a new fucking mystic journeyman tracker. There, you know, there's a new donut productions track or whatever, you know, three shades of rhythm. And then I would show that to other people and I, they'd get all revved up over it. Like my boy, John Shecklow, John, John eventually turned into a very good DJ and producer from, he's from here, but he went to Pratt in Brooklyn and, uh, he became a very well-known producer out there. And, um, you know, John and I would just spend all our money on hip hop records. So the late to later on be able to give the, the dudes I was listening to this like gratification of knowing that they're being distributed at one point around the globe from my little tiny record store in Burlingame was enough for them. And they were so modest, you know, and, you know, I used to talk to Nick on the phone, Merce all the time on the phone, we would have the stupidest conversations and he's a straight up rock star now, you know? And it's like, you know, I miss those times, you know, I miss those times of just being in the record shop all day and, and listening to rap tapes, selling rap tapes and, Honest, honest, like a fan. Like you were, I mean, you weren't trying to get any from it. You weren't trying to, yeah, you honestly were like, let me tell you about this new tape. Like, I wouldn't even ask, like, what's new? That's new. Take that. Yeah. And I knew I I would know what, you know, I had certain custom, like customers that would come in that liked, liked a lot of the East Coast stuff, a lot of the DITC stuff, and, you know, the more distributed records, but still really good records. And then I had the guys that wanted the straight up, like, independent shit, whether it was from the Midwest, the East Coast, or here. And, I knew what everybody liked over time. I knew what the customer wanted and and then um you know, it just it just evolved and evolved. And like I said earlier, I didn't have a place to live, so I fucking li- I a lot of people may or may not know this, but I turned the back part of that record shop into an apartment and I lived there. So I lived that. I lived it. Like I went out every night and set up a booth that shows every single hip hop event I was there. You had a bug, a dog, you had a VW, a, a dog and a shop. Oh, I I sold my cars to I sold I sold I sold everything I had to finance that little shop little shop, and then I did have my dog Otto the Rottweiler, he he chilled at the shop, um, but you know it took me time to get another car, and then I eventually got like some bucket, and then I remember I bought my first brand new car in 1999. It was a Honda Civic, and I was like, holy shit! I just bought a brand new car. Tape deck or CD? Uh, tape deck. Yeah. Yeah, tape deck. It was sick. Yeah, so it was good times. Yeah, I don't know what I'm going to do with these, these, you know, these tapes, but I know you. I need to hear your whole story. I need to hear. I need to get another Shane or another distributor with another shop and just hear. Like I want, I want everybody's perspective on that era. You know. We got to Yeah, we got to talk about it. Oh, oh no, we'll. T- yeah, yeah, we're gonna game plan. This is just like a little peak f- content for me because I'm doing the podcast with my girl. And, and when me and her talk, it's like she's leading, of course, because that's, you know, happy wife, happy life, you know, transferred over to podcasting, too. Yeah, no, you know, I get like it. Like, you're my wife on this podcast. I let you talk, you know. I just I just want to listen. <laughs> All right, right now, what's a hip-hop? Like, what, what's, what, what are you listening to? I feel like we should do a corny, like, hey, what's in your, what's in your fucking tape deck, bro? Honestly, I, ha- honestly, I catch myself listening to a lot of old shit, but – the new stuff that I've really been listening to is the all the cats from Griselda. Like those dudes are, those dudes are nasty, and they just did what, what no one else would dare to do, and they took shit back to sample based, grimy fucking drum loops and 
simple, simple beats and nasty. Like, I mean, all of them, all those dudes, West Side Gun, Conway, and Benny the Butcher. Like these dudes are, to me, they're the, the shit right now. And like they're, they just basically took rap back to where to the golden era, and yeah. they and they dare, they dared. They dared themselves to do it, and they did it, and now their stuff is hot. You know, they're to me, they're the best new shit out. That's what's in the tape deck right now. Fucking awesome. Well, get back to fucking making beats, dude. When are you gonna make beats again, dude? Let's do it. Let's, you know. <laughs> soon, I'll, I promise. Soon. Is it like just like riding a bike, or is it is it like uh, no, writing a novel, like <laughs> writer's block? Yeah, answer. Ask me this question in a month. Next time, okay. Yeah. Farthest artist. Shane, below the surface, below the cervix, fucking. Can't wait to see all this footage. I know, walk you sending to every night. Okay, that's enough about you.